This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast. And that man that just flew in from the bottom of the screen is the one and only Jason Cass. Kyle is in CIC this week, or at least the next two days. We got to learn him a little bit and get his product knowledge up. The guy could sell ketchup popsicles to an Eskimo in white gloves, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm just kidding. He actually is fairly technologically savvy, but we need to get him that designation so it's official. So I'm not even going to say it's the next best thing. It is the best thing I could have possibly done is bring in Cass to talk about a variety of things we're going to talk about today. Variety. What's cooking, man? Variety, bro. Variety. Because, I mean, I have my uh, my rocket book <laughs> full of different things, um, so I'm excited about this. And then you brought up a couple things you wanted to, so this is going to be action-packed. Yeah, you've had a busy couple weeks on your hands. I have, too. I've, been, I've literally mm. been on the road living out of suitcases the last two weeks and, and from coast to coast, so... I'm just glad yeah. to be home. You know, we have no air conditioning in the office right now, and I don't even care. I'm just glad to know that I'm laying my head in my own bed tonight and nothing else matters. And it's funny okay. because in Boston last week, when I, on the day that I flew home, I decided to fly home on Friday night, and it just starts dumping snow. Now, I'm not, this, I'm not the southern person who's never seen snow before. I grew up up north, so I get it. But it is a little bit disconcerting knowing that this is the only thing standing between me and getting back to Tampa, Florida, and thank god that you know they planned for stuff like that so there were no issues getting my flight out and i will tell you tell you i did a cannonball into a 92 degree pool the second i got home so i bet you did it was good being back but you know speaking of boston one of the things that came out of that was some really healthy um discussion about associations and i don't want to jump right into it normally i would have somebody introduce themselves you, there, there is no introduction necessary in this situation but I want to talk about associations, man, uh, just for a little bit. And there was really good, um, I don't want to call it banter, but debate, you know, back and forth about the place that associations have today. And I think one of the yeah. things that people think about is a few things. Number one, when you hear the word big I or you hear the word P, the letters PIA, 
you know, automatically we go to lobbying, but there are way more things that associations have the capabilities to do for their uh, members that people may not be aware of or um, educated about. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that today because I know you spent a lot of time in the association, uh, in the associations mm -hmm. nationally and on the state level as you were coming up through the ranks. And I'm just interested in hearing about what that experience was like for you and how you used and ha and continue to use your association as an independent agent today and why some people may be missing what they could be getting out of that relationship. It's a yeah. lot, I know. Well, it's not it is a lot, but it's uh you know, I have uh, my buddy Cookie always gets on me because he says that I I I don't ever sometimes take a position on certain things when I should. And I believe that there's two sides to every story. No one's right. Maybe sometimes someone's right over the other, but it just depends on their perspective. And the big eye has been a tremendous part of the success of my life, of, of let me be part of the success that I have had, um, that I consider success, huge part of it. Um, it was I met Hanley through then through through them through different functions. You know, um, they used to send me around across America to speak to other agents when we were first doing Facebook back in 2009, and you could do a post and everybody would see it. But backing up a little bit in 2001, when I was hired by my mentor, I remember he called me in his office and he said, "You see this young agent right here, young agents of Illinois? I want you to get to be a part of them when we go to that conference this week." So I did. I went to the to a conference. They allowed us to sit in on a meeting just to kind of see what it was like with these young agents. I immediately went up to the person afterwards and said, "Hey, I want to run this thing," and I had been in the business like a year and a half. I actually got promoted to chair in 2006 and served there in 2009, and then I was tapped to the national young agents, which there's four of them, and uh, from 2010, and then I was asked to lead that from 2011 to right at the end of 2012. And I had, I, like I said, the association was really a huge part. When it comes to education, I mean, they're in uh, they're in, in huge partnership with the National Alliance, which is where um, today Kyle is. Uh, there, so they really, really push that. I think I wish that they were. Sometimes they're so big that I think that there's other um, education platforms that would like to maybe have some breathing room, similar to our cell phone industry, right? Sometimes there's better ones, but the big ones just keep it down, and um, that's neither good nor bad. That's just the truth. Um, you know, you talk about their legislative efforts, okay? I truly believe that they had a good initiative in the late 2000s to brand us independent insurance agents as trusted choice independent insurance agents. But you couldn't get anybody to understand on a brand, and that's one of the things. Now, if anybody wants to see one of the most impressive things is to go to one of their four board meetings that they have. I mean, it will take up the largest room you've ever seen. All 50 states are represented. They're in a big horseshoe, and you get to see them making these decisions. It's like watching Congress. It's really, really exciting. That's exactly what was running through my head as you said that. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, really exciting how they do it. And you get to sit there and watch it, and they're making huge decisions. And, and I think you're saying, you know, they have a lot of things, you know, trusted choice. They have InsurePack, which is their, their, don their, their, um, 
their political action. And to have a million dollars in political action donations and above is a big deal in D.C. And we are in that club as independent insurance agents through the big eye. The PIA runs around 100 to 150,000. I'm probably pretty close there. And I think the big eye runs at about 1.2 million. But what's important is they just don't go to Republicans or Democrats. They go to people who are inside, who are, are rooting for us. I always say this simple when I was out because I used to collect political action donations. Um, I used to say to people, they're fighting in D.C. for your best interest while you're sitting in your office fighting for the best interest of your client. And that's really, really the truth. You don't have time to be involved in all that, but their legislative effort is very, very true. I've said this before. I don't say this to brag, but I want people to know I have I pay $100 a month to InsurePAC. It comes directly out of my account because I believe in it that much. I really truly do. Um, I donate to the Erie political action campaign. I'm very big into that because I've seen it. I've been there. I took my son with me when we lobbied back in 2012. I've really seen how actually when those Congress people and those senators come in, they actually want to know, David, like, like, what are your clients telling you in Tampa about insurance? You know, what are they that they, they you've got five minutes, but they want to know. So that's good stuff. Uh, they have market access. You and I talked about that before. Um, people don't know that they don't necessarily have to go to a big aggregator and sell their their life away. You know, they can. Uh, they do have market access that you own your book of business. Most of the programs you get full commission. Um, they they do a lot of of uh, stuff. Uh, but well, here's one thing I want to stop, man. I'll I'll get off. I'll I'll breathe here for a minute. But this is important is every state, and this is important for you guys who maybe, and gals who have new agents in your office, CSRs even, in every state, there's a young agents committee. And those young agent committees are dynamic and awesome. And they put on different events throughout the state that what they do is, is they get judged on those at once a year in April, whenever they're, um, excuse me, in September, whenever they're at their national meeting, wherever that is, it travels across the United States. They'll have this thing into the young agent groups in all these states. This is like the World Series. Like they have put on functions. They've raised pack dollars. They've gotten new members. They've went into schools and, and high schools and colleges and taught through the, um, oh, um, um, uh, invest program, which is another great part of the big eye to where they spend money. The big eye does to put people into colleges to try and recruit people in young agents are a part of that. And, and it's a great place for your young agent to sometimes get out of your stuffy office and be like, wow, there's other young agents who have the same issues as I, and that cut my learning curve greatly, greatly down. Um, since then, I've had a couple spats. You can listen to old podcasts uh, from two, three years ago with the big eye. But I think it just has to do with some of the differences of, of, of how they run their organization versus sometimes I think that the new ways of running it doesn't mean that there's wrong. But like the IAOAs, I believe that there's other groups out there that have really kind of filled that networking void that I just don't know. I think the big eye and I think PIA try to fit that role. And I don't, I just don't know if they'll, if they'll be able to do that. And so, um, 
There, there's a lot right there. I mean, well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here because I have zero ties to the big eye, and I'm not overly concerned about offending anybody. So, you know, <laughs> I think that Charles Specht, our mutual friend, has a good statement when he says that the insurance industry, by and large, is male, pale, and stale. That's and right. when you think about that, I think that if you talk about a big eye boardroom meeting with people from all 50 states sitting in a horseshoe, how many women and people of color and minorities are able to participate in that? And so whether we want to view that as discrimination or not, I don't think that's the word that you want to use. But at the end of the day, we need representation from those people. We need to get them involved in the industry and see that they have a place there. The other problem that we have in the industry, and I think that this is extremely important for people to understand, is the old guard is old period. They're getting ready to leave. And mm -hmm. we do have these young agents. We have people that are very dynamic. They have completely new and fresh ideas. They communicate in different ways than what maybe I do, or actually I'm learning to because I actually listen right. to what these people are doing. And I think that we need that. And you know, the one thing that I don't want to see happen is if we have associations in places where we have branded them as being able to make a difference and drive change in the organizations that we represent, we need people that are willing to drive that change in there instead of maintaining the status quo. And that starts with getting rid of the male, pale, stale, and opening up our minds and our ears and listening to how people communicate. One of the best things that I've done in my agency over the last couple of years is I invite college interns every single summer to come into my agency. And I don't just bring them in and give them a bunch of crap work to do. I actually have that. I, I look for specifically for people majoring in marketing. And when they come in, they are building a business inside of my agency. Florida Wedding Insurance came from my intern, Brooke, who basically built everything from soup to nuts inside of that. Florida Fitness Insurance came from Kevin last summer who came in and basically built that from the ground up. So when they're coming in for an independent study or an internship, I can truly say that I am taking it seriously as the agency principal because I want them to learn the industry and be able to learn how to drive change. And coincidentally, here's something that's going to make some of you old fools out there short circuit. They're business partners with me and those entities. They split the profits 50-50 in perpetuity because that was the game, uh, game plan we laid out when they came in. So it's an awesome opportunity for them to get a little bit of mailbox money, even if they never come to work with me in Florida money. Risk. But the other side of that is I'm, not, I'm learning from them just the same. When I listen, how would you get this message out? They're going to go to things like Snapchat and Instagram, whereas I am you know feel like I'm social savvy on LinkedIn and Facebook. They're communicating via text message more than they're communicating via email or phone call. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the problem that we have as an industry is we think there's something wrong with that. The only thing wrong with that thought process is the thought process itself. And until we open our minds and get over ourselves and realize there may be better ways to doing things than what each of us does them today, it's just going to continue to perpetuate and never go anywhere. And what I'm, what I'm afraid of more than anything else is that you have podcasts like yours, like Scott and Bradley, like Ryan Hanley, like this one that are out driving extreme value in educating people. And when the association has the ability to be the pinnacle of education for our industry, people aren't getting it from them. And they're turning to podcasts and other places where they don't pay members dues. They get information for free. And quite frankly, it's really good value. 
Well, and here's the other thing. This is no knock on any one of them, but large organizations get locked up in litigation, or not litigation, um, in, uh, what would I say, regulation and what they can put out. A lot of times that was the things that Quitta helped us. We wanted to innovate a little bit more at the big eye, but it's got to go through lawyers. It's got to go through, well, this check and that check. And I understand that makes sense. They, they have a lot. That's where some of these IAOAs, and we just say them because they're one of the, the largest that we know, but those type of groups can kind of be the mavericks, right? They can kind of operate around those things. I remember uh, Nicholas Ayers will remember this conversation. Him and Brandon Smith called me in 2013 because I said to him, when they were creating this group, I said, dude, you just can't have a bunch of agents meet together. Like you have to, you have to read an antitrust statement because that's what we always had to do. Anytime we had any kind of meeting of like three or more people for the big guy, we would have to read the antitrust statement because that's what happens. Well, what happened to that? I haven't done that since 2013, you know, but is that still important? Maybe it's not. Maybe they're governed by that because of the money they take and accept from companies and lobbies. I don't know. But those little old guard things really prevent those organizations. And then, you know, that's a 50-50 split right now in the industry about some of the people that get supported out there. And I make no names, but there's other companies that maybe not provide the best products or services for our AMSs, for us independent agents, that maybe needs to fall by the wayside so that other ones can grow. I say sometimes these large organizations, these old school organizations that have been here for 125 years, they like to um, prop up some of their uh, male stale and pale uh, cigar smoking backroom friends. And I think that sometimes it's like dead trees falling over in a forest. And it's nice because the new ones get the sprout, but then someone comes along and props back up these dead trees. And I think that that's where you're talking about the new guard that needs to come out in some of these. Overall, the big eye is definitely worth your money as long as you're willing to put time into it. But I think, once again, if you want to get into networking, you want to get into learning, you're, they're not going to teach you a killing commercial. They're just not. That's not what they're going to do. Um, they're, they're not. They're not going to have courses on CMR, CRMs, and automation training. That's just not what they do. And I think if they try to get into that, I, I don't think that that's a smart choice for us. We don't really see them that way. But am I wrong or am I right about that, David? No, I mean, I think that they have the ability to maybe expand their horizons a little bit. One of the things, you know, one of the things I think is important for anybody listening this, listening to this to understand is these organizations aren't just for the big mega agencies. Actually, it's probably quite the opposite. They're advocating for those two and three man shops and two to three person shops that are out there trying to hang a shingle. You need a website and you don't have the money to go out and have one custom built for you. You can go to trustedchoice.com and get a website in a box for an extremely economical solution and then grow into what you need to, to grow into. You can get marketing co-op. You can get a lot of tools that I don't think yep. that people take advantage of and realize yep. And I think to me that boils down to marketing. I don't I don't know that they do a good enough job of letting agents know exactly what it is that that they can they can get. I'd invite any one of them that wants to get their message out to feel free to reach out and come on the podcast. I'll have I'll know, I won't even ask you two questions uh, about why you want to come on. I want you to come out if, and have your voice heard. 
if you're in the know, you know about it. And I'm not saying like a club. It's just that once you get involved with it, then you kind of get into the marketing and stuff of it. And, and it's just, it's really, really kind of unique. Now to get to know a couple of things to, to all of your listeners is it goes back to, we had the P, we had the PIA and we had the big I. Now, one of the things that you'll notice, some states are the get together, some are not, I'm not taking sides on either one, but the way it's kind of looked at is the big I is kind of for the bigger brokers, the, the more suit and tie, and the PI is for more of the Main Street agency. I don't think that's true. I think that's an old school thought, but I don't think the new incoming insurance professionals in the last 5, 10, 15 years, I don't think they really know that history. Um, so I do see, I think Ohio split off, but I think I was talking with Carrie or somebody recently, and they told me that they now have went back um, to joining forces. I do think it's better, especially when it comes to resources and stuff like that. Um, you know, Quincy Branch, who is a African-American uh, owner out of Las Vegas, Nevada, served on the big eye with me, a young agents chair. Just dropped Huge. his episode this morning, I saw. Hugely successful. Um, yeah, yeah, actually it did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Huge successful agent. Um, his, his sound wasn't very good, but no, besides that, you know, we have those, those things, but there's so much quality meat that he talks about and how much the association, um, did for us really, 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 truly did. Um, insure bank. They also have a bank where you can get loans and stuff through. I don't think a lot of people know about that. So you can get loans for like agencies and you can have a checking account and stuff like that. And they deal with insurance agents. So insure bank is another uh, thing through the big eye. So they, they have a ton, ton of stuff. And where you should always get involved also is every year your state has a legislative day where you get to go up and meet your senators and, re and representatives for a day. Fantastic thing to do. I've taken both my boys. And then once a year in April during the cherry blossoms, they'll have a big eye legislative event where you go to meet your senators. And I mean, I've met Bill Clinton, George Bush, Colin Powell, uh, Barack Obama. I post that all the time. Um, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that I, that I got to hang around when I was in my twenties and nineties, which I think is kind of, you know, personifying itself today. Okay. We've beat that to, to death enough on the association. Yeah. You've had a, you've had a big week, man. I mean, a week with Billy Williams is like a month inside of somebody's head. Otherwise, I mean, I know you guys were playing golf and everything else, but you don't interact with Billy without coming away, A, a better person, and B, probably with a work list. I'm sure he assigned things for you to be thinking about and, and doing inside your agency. Talk about a little bit about that, because I know you mentioned, you know, when we when we talked earlier today that you had a lot you wanted to bring up. So the floor well, is yours, he, my friend. Thank you, man. He talks about standards a lot, okay? He talks about standards. And the, and the reason why I wanted to do it is I did a podcast called Golfing with Billy Williams. And he taught me so much about, he's like, Jason, long story short, COVID happened. He's a tennis player, went to USC, um, was a top-rated, uh, top 20 tennis player in his day. Um, they took down the nets during COVID. He had to figure out something to do. The golf courses were still open. He decided, I'm going to try this golf thing. Played a handful of times with some buddies over, he's 60 years old. 
And um, he said, like anything else, he took went crazy. Got to listen to the podcast, all your listeners, bought $179 clubs. And you know why he didn't buy good clubs? Because he wasn't any good. He says, that's what agents do. Agents go out and buy all this expensive technology, and they're yet to even understand how to sell a damn auto policy. Really truthful. So these different types of things he would, he would talk about. So when my wife asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday, and I said, hey, I want to go golfing with Billy Williams. And she's like, let's, you should do it. I went down there and this is some of the stuff I learned. I learned that I need to do a better job at training my managers. Um, I made a post, which I, he literally told me five minutes into the car. I mean, literally, as soon as we not even left the airport, he's on me, you know, he's <laughs> like, okay, da, 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 da. And he says, and I told him, I said, you know, I've got a lot of stuff. I'm going through a midlife audit, not a crisis. I'm trying to cut down on things. I'm looking at things. Maybe I need to sell things. And he said, Jason, let me tell you something. I ain't selling shit. And I said, <laughs> I said, really? I said, you're not. He said, hell no, I ain't selling shit. He says, I work too damn hard. And he says, remember, your job should either be your passion or should fund your passion. And that's when I grabbed that and I made that post because he or rearranged. Both. Huh? Or, or both. both. Or both. He rearranged my thought, though. He said, this was at a later time, he said, Jason, you've, 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 you've had this egg that you paid money for, you invested all your time in, in it, and you, the chick hatched, and it grew up, to, grew up to be this big goose, and this goose now is lo uh, laying golden eggs, and now you're thinking about going and saying, you know what, I think I'm going to sell the goose because I don't want to feed it anymore. He said, go find somebody to feed the damn thing, split and make their life better, you know, and keep, keep it coming in. And... Uh, it's a lot of this stuff seems like common sense because that's what Billy does, but Billy put it in there. My standards have got to be better as far, you know, he talks about his clubs. Every club he knows goes a certain distance. So there's no wondering like, okay, I'm 150 yards out. I hit this club, right? He says our standards in our agency should be the same exact way. And so I, I wrote some notes because I, I did a bunch of videoing and I'm going to put it together in some kind of pot, podcast. But one of the things that he talked about is he talked about standards. I don't want to get your feeling on this, David. He talks about standards relieve stress. This was so genius. He said to me, when you have Susie who doesn't want to sell, when you have standards, she never has to sell. Whenever they have a McDonald's worker and they say, okay, you're going to take their order down and then right before you give them their, your, their, their total, you need to ask them, would they like to have a medium size and would they like to get a brownie with that, right? And no matter if that annoys you or not, you just know that that's part of their standard. So when they hired Susie there, they didn't say, okay, now we need you to cross sell and make sure that you up them at least to this many get mediums, right? And sell this many apple pies. No, it's part of the standard. Before you say this, their total, you ask these questions. Well, Susie doesn't realize she's selling. Susie doesn't realize she's cross selling. It takes away the stresses of what you're trying to do because it's just the standard. One of the everybody everybody's doing it. It's normalized at that point. That's the expectation. That's the that's the expectation. So I said to Billy, I said, Billy, but that makes you like a bank. I mean, here him and I are literally on the fairway holding up the damn people. We're just talking about this stuff. I said, Billy, but that makes you like a bank and you're more transactional. And we're based on relationships. 
And then Billy opened up that can of Billyism. He said, let me tell you what a relationship is, Jason, because it's not what most agents think. He says a relationship is three things. Oh, number one, did I communicate in a way that is professional? That is something that someone should allow in a relationship. That's how people communicate. Number two, did I offer something to you to make your life better? That's what relationships do. You hear Matt and Zach talk about when they go out to lunch with their people. They're not telling them about what they do. How can I make your life better, right? And then that's how they end up getting the business, creating that relationship. Did number three, did I explain the consequences for you not at doing what I advised you to do? And when you do those three things, you set what you just said, David. You set expectations to know what to expect. Now, he's explained that in a different way in saying of a marriage. You may see a one marriage may look like a different marriage to somebody else. And this is how it can be inside of an insurance agency. And this is why standards are important because you may say, well, why does that woman put up with that guy? He goes out, he drinks late at night, spends all their check, da, 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 da. Well, as Billy says to that person, that woman knows what to expect from that individual. So she's willing to put up with it because she knows what to expect. It's the same thing with our standards. And he says that we associate a relationship in a completely different way, that they have a problem and we're providing a solution. And these three things determine the relationship and also determine the standards. I love it. I, it, it, it really blew me away because it allows you to put it into a simple form. So take that for a second. Let's think about a practical application because some people may still be trying to draw the lines to how this actually becomes real in the insurance world. The one time that your relationship is the most important to your client is when. It's when they have a claim. How well go. do we handle that situation? Do we, when we bring a new client on board, set expectations for them as to what will happen if they have an event that unfortunately ends up with them having to have a claim? Whether it be homeowners and the house burns down or floods or a workers' comp claim for a small business that loses, has a key person get hurt or anything else, what do we do to soften that blow on the front end? But more importantly, when that claim happens, what does that relationship look like? Do we have a video message that goes out and says, you know, unfortunately, you're in a situation that we hope nobody ever has to go through, but we want to let you know we have your back. We are here for you, and this is what you can expect from Florida Risk Partners or from the Insurance Alliance as you go through this process. We want you to understand that we are not the insurance company. I think it's very important that you establish that expectation because people, by and large, view us as one in the same, and they don't view us as being their advocate. And I want them to understand that I'm sitting on their side of the table, and I am their interface between the insurance company and them. I want them to understand what they're going to expect from the adjuster and how quickly communication will happen. I want them to rem to remind them about how the valuation of their policy was established and what they can expect. I'm not going to adjust the claim or get into numbers, but I need them to start thinking about these things so that it's not a shock when it comes. But most importantly, I want to hold their hand and have that relationship through that entire process. And the one thing that I took, not the one thing, but one of the things I took out of being in the room in in Boston last week is we need to do a better job of getting people to tell us when we do a good job after the fact. 
If your relationship's right, if you've set expectations, if you've met or exceeded those expectations, do you have a system in your agency that automatically sends out an email requesting a review from those people? How did we do on the claims handling process? What could we have done better? What did we do good, do well? And make that part of your re review solicitation strategy. Now, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn either you suck <laughs> or you're going to learn that you do a really good job. And that's what you want everybody to see. You want them to see that you do well. But if you're not doing well, you want to know that so that you can tweak that process and get better. That's no different than being married at to all. Totally. That's what I was right? thinking too. Mm -hmm. Shiny object. I'm a shiny object, right? We, I get married. Mm -hmm. I'm perfect for my wife. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden you're five years in. And you need to do a little bit of tweaking. If you're not asking, if you number one, if you didn't set the expectation correctly on the beginning, you're in for a rough, rough road. Number two, though, if you're not willing to be open and ask for feedback on what you can do to improve and get better and manage that relationship, then you're just going to continue to divide a wedge between you and your spouse to a point that in many cases it gets unrecoverable. So I think that's that's sage advice, as is typically the case from Billy Williams, that you know we really need to understand what those relationships are. And unfortunately, for most of the time, the relationship forming process happens in tandem with the sales process. It needs to be dealt with after the fact, too. We can't just mm -hmm. go build the relationship, you know, go to happy hour a couple of times with a prospect to try and win them over. And then, you know, oh, if you need anything, call me. No, we need to be proactive in how we manage that. My grass doesn't cut itself. <laughs> the expectation right. is set that every Friday afternoon when I leave the office, the first thing I'm going to do is go home and cut the grass. I, I established that expectation for my wife. Now she expects it. What happens if I don't cut the grass one Friday afternoon? We wake up Saturday morning. We have to walk across the front yard that is long and overgrown now, wet with dew to get in the car to go to breakfast that morning because we do that every Saturday. She's not going to be happy because I set the expectation that the grass would be cut every Friday afternoon. Our clients Very are no well different. Very well said. Very well said. And when you're set setting that expectation, uh, the best way to teach is the best way it is understood. You know, and, and sometimes the best way to sell is the best way that it's taken. You know, sometimes Billy reminds me that, Jason, you may not like online raiders because you think that people just go on there and shop. He says, why don't you use that as a way? If you don't like writing SR-22s, state filings, and you don't write it, he said, at least just throw them the link and say, hey, this is a way that we accept these and have them fill it out. So then all you have to do is press a button through Progressive and just sell it. Um, and it's interesting because I'd really never thought of it. So I have that tool and I could make that. He talks about big rock, small rock, sand, right? The old story that if you try to pour, try to put the sand in the bottle first, you can't get the big rocks in. So I wanted to go one more thing. So when you're talking about what you said, like having that, it's just not at the sales process, but it also needs to be an ongoing thing. Um, I love that. And so when I asked him that, he said it goes back to standards. And he's like, Jason, when I say standards, I'm not just talking about 100, 300. These are things that we do in our office. This is things that you can expect from us. And when he says, well, sometimes you, you have to remember, he calls it ST4S is what he calls it, ST4S. S stands for standards. Um, and, and S stands for standards. And why that's important is, is your standards are created by four ways, he says, by the tasks, what tasks are needed to complete that standard, the tools that are needed 
to complete that standard by completing the tasks, the time it's going to take for you to train and spot check those tasks and those tools are being used and then training like role playing actually going through and, and training that standard and the last part is spec spot check all this so he calls it st4s and when he puts it down that way you can look at what you just said david and said okay what are the five ways i'm going to keep in contact with that person you know to emphasize that we're there and who we they are what are the tasks what are the tools you know, what time did we put into developing that? And then are we role playing that to spot check it all the way through? Um, that's what I love about Billy. He breaks that stuff down that that tries to help me. And it's just all about trying to help create these so my managers are better so that I can go do what my passion is. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So, so loved it, man. Loved it. Anything else about Billy before I move on to the next thing? Because I'm trying uh, to hit all things Cass is passionate about on this podcast today. Uh, I realize uh, that that's probably dangerous, but I uh, know you know because I've got a lot on my brain that I want to I want to fly past because I am watching or reading the book right now, Greenlight, and I got to tell you that is a great, fantastic book with Matthew McConaughey. I got a lot of great stuff from that, but uh, seriously, it was a, it was, was very eye opening. So go ahead, man. What what else we got? So here's the next thing, man. Um, it's great for everybody to hear your story about coming through Big Eye and being involved in the Young Agents Council and all of that. You know, your relationship with Billy is definitely special. He's a good mentor to have, always full of nuggets and wisdom. But so are you, and you do a very good job of getting that out to the masses. And I think that pretty much everybody knows you from your podcast. And I don't want to talk about the podcast per se. What I want to talk about is the thing that you're building right now that is truly changing the industry by aggregating all of these podcasts together on a single network so mm -hmm. that people have a one-stop shop if they choose to, to be able to hear all of this ridiculous value that's delivered. And I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see the number of people that are coming out and doing this now. I hope that mm -hmm. they... Um, I hope that they understand that it does require quite a bit of work. It's not like you just show up with a microphone and that's it. But you've also made it very easy for them to do that too. So I want to I want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing with the Agency Intelligence Podcast Network. I want you to talk a little bit about Pod Squad, and I also want you to talk to a, a, a little bit, if you can, about what the value is of having a local podcast for your area, not just something that's catering to other agents and how if somebody wants to do that you make that much easier for them to do yeah yeah no problem i got those down um so yeah the insurance network is something that ryan hanley and i talked about for a long time i could just never get him to do it um i because i because i had this idea and i've ran it past you and you and i have kicked it around and talked about like how it could work and stuff like that and with your successful podcast you bring a lot to the table as far as helping me understand certain things that sometimes only real tough uh real professional podcasters can only understand um but yeah we have i believe it's insurance um, podcastnetwork.com. It's not, it's not live yet. It's almost ready to be done. It's something that we're bringing out, um, is going to be our gateway into the podcast. We have seven podcasts now, uh, agency freedom with James Jenkins and, uh, and Charles Speck, millionaire producer, 
um, is going to be is is going to be joining our network, and that means that there's one spot. They still have all their same spots. David's part of our network. David still has all his same spots. You can still find David everywhere you want, but sometimes people don't know. Like I have people who will listen to a podcast and go, "Dude, I had no idea you had your own podcast." I mean, I've done <laughs> over 600 of them, and I'm like, "Wow!" So I realize, like, okay, we've got to have a central location that everybody can go to. Because I said from the beginning, and I've said it for a long time, if there's 15 more podcasts that are created, that's what we're doing. We're we're um, give, tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm gonna tell the world what you have to say. If there's 10 Jason Casses and 10 David Carruthers out there doing it, well, then we're just gonna move the industry a lot quicker. Um, so so that's what we did. In the meantime, last March, this thing called COVID happened. Sarah and I um, decided that we had some plans for 2020 on how we were going to grow agency intelligence. Um, and, and for all your listeners, I have a three location agency. And then so I have that as well that you heard me talking about with Billy and that. But also I have agency intelligence, which has seven full time people that work in, in it and do a lot of stuff to publicize and do all these podcasts. And I had an agent call me and said, hey, Jason, now that this COVID thing's happened, I got a little bit of time. You think you could, if I do a podcast, would you put that together for me? And I was like, hmm, well, you know, I could probably do it. We already have a process, I guess. Literally, David, the next day, another agent called me and said, hey, do you think you could put together a podcast for me? I said, did you talk to so-and-so? And they're like, no. I was like, uh-oh. So I called Sarah and I said, we need to get this down quick. These are going to start coming. Um, and today... Uh, we have relationships with, I think, 27 podcasts. We produce, I believe, 18 or 19 podcasts. Um, we edit and publish, I think, four or five. That's kind of a smaller thing. So we this now has created its own company that we had to pull out of agency intelligence, and it's called Pod Squad. And so what they do is, is they work with two different types of people. Agents who want to create a niche because they're commercial lines or personal lines or agents who already have a niche who are tired of doing all the editing and publishing and social postings and websites and all that stuff that we do. And we have a simple process for it. It's not simple, but we've we've mastered it as best as we think we can with technology. Um, and then, um, and that's, uh, so that is some of the stuff that we do with pod squad. Now we also do it as you're saying, um, with, uh, Andy Tomlinson, uh, Tomlinson is a, is a great example. He has one for his local uh, town and he just interviews the mayors and all kinds of stuff. We kind of help them and give them and coach them along as here's how you get your listeners. Here's your first probably guests you should have and stuff. And, uh, and his is called the good stuff. And him and I literally sat down and came up with that in about 20 minutes and it's the good stuff. And he's going to focus on the good stuff that happens in his, in his town. Cause it's a small town and people don't focus on that enough. I thought it was great. Um, you've also got a true story of, uh, of Mike, uh, Fusco who, uh, writes technology niches in Cal in Orange County, California, been trying to get in these two accounts forever. In the first like three months, he had them on the podcast, the CEOs. Now he writes both of those accounts. And I mean, I, I think the, the revenue of those is like in excess of 150, $180,000 a year between those two. So, you know, it's, uh, it's made believers out of a lot of people. And so what we do is we just take that off of you because as you said, it's cool to do it by yourself. But it's a it's a grind, man. It's a grind. Nah, you know I, I would, we wouldn't exist if I had to do it by myself. 
don't have time for it. I mean, you you have made it possible for this podcast to exist just by having that service. And here's the thing I'm going to tell people. If, you, if you've ever tossed around the idea, if you've ever thought about what would it be like for me if I had a podcast? What if I were to do something local? Think about this. What do most A-type personalities love to do more than anything else? Talk about themselves. <laughs> And so if you can get these people that are your prospects and that you let their guard down and say, no, nah, I'm not here to sell you about insurance. I'd love to have you come on and talk about your company and all the great things you're doing in the community about your podcast. You have completely removed the entire icebreaking portion of a first meeting. Number mm -hmm. one. Number two, you're giving them visibility and you're letting them talk about their brand, which they appreciate. Number yep. three... They're going to take your call going forward. Now you're friends, right? You've built a relationship yep. over this podcasting experience. And one of the things that I also think is important is give it a couple months, reach back out to them and say, hey, look, this episode that we did, I don't care if it performed great or not. You know, I mean, reach out to them and say, this episode we did is just blowing it off the charts. And I'd yep. really love to talk to you about how we could do more to feature your company in some of my content, not just here and in other places and then go down that road. I can tell you that the number one way to get to a decision maker in many cases to get to their heart is to talk about the top line. Don't even waste your time talking about insurance. Talk about how they can grow their company, how they can grow their company profitably and do that in the small talk and you'll always have the conversation you wanna have regarding the insurance and risk management after the fact. But I, I tell you, if you've ever wanted to stick your toe in the water for 300 bucks worth of equipment, you can start a podcast, probably not even that much. You really no. just need a webcam, a microphone and, and a computer and you do it and turn it over to Pod Squad, and it's done. You know, whether you distribute it to social or they do, or you publish it or they do, you know, there's different tiers of pricing. And I don't want this to turn into a commercial, but I want to encourage those of you I who do. feel like time is an obstacle. I want you to understand that that obstacle is removed now. Okay. Yeah. There is no excuse. Oh, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to produce. Okay, fine. You know how to write a check. Do that. Let somebody else do it because quite frankly, if you understand the things that I talk about and teach, you can quantify what your hourly rate is. And I can assure you that your hourly yeah. rate should be much higher than what you're paying to have somebody do this for you so that you can focus on more profitable revenue generating activities for your agency or whatever your business may be and ultimately be more successful. So podsquad.com, you definitely need to, it's podsquad.com, right? Dot com, podsquad.fm. Okay, yeah, got we're, it. We're, yeah, somebody has podsquad.f.com and they won't sell it to us. It's like 15 grand. So, so you know what you said though, which was great. In in podcasting, you just made me realize that the client a lot of times actually solidifies the relationship because did you communicate in a way that was professional with them? You did, right? You you met you met with them. Hey, why don't you come on? This is a professional setting. Talk about yourself. You offered something to make their life better. Right. But the client came back to you and said, you know, what are the consequences of my business? Maybe something that I made. So it, through that podcast, they helped you solidify what Billy said would sometimes call call a relationship. So, yeah, I think the thing is great. And I'll also let you know this. Like if you are a podcaster and you get out there and you, you know, you have a following and you want to do, you can become part of the insurance podcast network. We don't allow just anybody on. Um, we want to kind of know who your, your audience is and stuff. 
But so you guys, so that it's just 100% transparent, we actually have perks. Like we actually pay um, for you to be a part of that because it means that much to agency intelligence that we want to reward you for it. But as David said for Pod Squad, you record. You fill out a form that I think is four or five questions long about what the podcast name was and stuff, and you're done. We we take it and we do everything, and the next thing you know, it's coming out like David and I. We just know that we're out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I'm on Tuesday and Friday. But, I mean, you know, that's that's what's happening. So, yeah, thank you, David, for bringing that up because that's a, that's a big deal, and it's helped a lot of agents so far. So we are in production of the protege now everything's in oh, editing shit. i've actually seen the first episode in it the guys are doing an incredible job i would be remiss if i didn't give them some constructive criticism it's about things to go back and, and tweak a little bit but i'm really pumped up about that um but I'm, I'm pumped up about it for a couple of reasons number one because i'm going to announce today for the first time publicly uh -oh. something that has spawned off of that but before i get into that I want you to talk a little bit about why you wanted to have the protege at Brainshare and why anybody who wants to change the trajectory of their career and completely revamp their thought process should reach out to you and find out if they would be a good fit to go to Brainshare in San Antonio this year. And I'm going to, before I, I get to that, I'm going to tell you. I, I've said it three times. I was in Boston last week. I was in Phoenix the week before. People, it has been awesome to get back out and be with people for the first time in a year. You know, you, you think that you're social because you're doing podcasts, but the fact of the matter is I'm in this cave every day by myself, and it sucks. You know, my service team is all working remote. So for me to be able to go out and just hang out with other people that I truly like, that I respect, and to be able to brain uh, brainstorm back and forth and just bounce ideas off of each other, to me, was really a great runway for us to get ramped up and ready for Brainshare in San Antonio. So talk a little bit about that and what people need to do if they have an interest in coming. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be there. We're announcing the winner of the protege there in a live vote with live presentations. The top three will be there. Some of the coaches will be there, if not all of them. And it's going to be a great time. That's not why you need to come. You need to come for everybody else. We're just the icing on the cake. The, the lineup is fantastic. And I know that I'm going to walk away with things that are going to change the way I do business in my agency. Yes, that's right. Change the trajectory of your agency is something that we created a long time ago. It's overused today. Um, uh, here's one thing that I want to say that this 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 was brought to my attention. And I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you because it's relating to investing in ourselves. Billy said, the reason why you've been successful, Jason, is because you invest in yourself. So I'm going to not be humble for a minute because this is what he told me. And I said, well, yeah, I do. And he said, no, you don't realize it. He said, in 2004, you came to the National African American Insurance Agents Association Conference in Chicago, Illinois. He said, why the hell did you come to that? You were in my class. You were the only white guy in there. I said, you know what, Billy? Keep in mind, Chicago's five-hour trip for me. I said, Billy, I wanted to learn. And I thought that maybe people of diversity or African-Americans were doing it different. That's, that's really why I went. And he was like, see, that's why you invest in yourself. And he says, now here you are to spending your own money and time to come here on your birthday to invest in yourself. I, had, I didn't put that together. 
Um, I just do what I do, you know? And so I think there's a lot of people out there that don't realize they're on the opposite side, David. They don't realize that like, this is what you do. There's no real like secret that me and you have. You just went to Arizona. You just went to Boston and you have a lot of stuff to do, but you knew, I mean, it's an investment in yourself. It on really my own nickel. Is. Yeah. On my own nickel for both trips, by the way. And I'm Absolutely. not saying that because I want you know people to pay for me to go places, but listen, people, you have nice. to start link thinking about what is an investment versus what is an expense. And one of the things that makes me sick to my stomach faster than anything else is listen to some mealy mouth agent complain about how much something costs until you start changing the way you think and you ask how much money is this going to make me instead of how much is this going to cost me you're never going to get to where you need to be and you're going to be somebody's acquisition target as opposed to being the acquirer maybe i was a bad person with money but i never even thought of like how much money is it going to make me or how much money uh, will it cost me i just knew that i needed to learn i mean it was like i just got to learn cuz like if i'm going to do this i'm going up against dudes like you when i was in you know one two years in that are just creaming me. And I'm like, man, but I really like this. So BrainShare is very unique. You can go to AIBrainShare.com, AIBrainShare.com. You have to get an invite. Invites have already been sent out. We're starting to fill up. Um, probably got about 70 seats, I think, left. Uh, it is on September 13th, 14th, and 15th. The protege finals will be there. Uh, the The theme of it is, is, is prospecting and sales in today and tomorrow's world. Um, I have used Zoom for the last four or five, six years. We've all, you know, your staff and my my staff, we're, we're Teams users or whoever, you know, Slack. We're, so we're used to dealing with each other digitally. But like in the last year, like I've had to make all my prospecting calls or meetings through Zoom and it's changing the game. And I've read little things that people are like, hey, you should do this or this is a good best practice. And I thought this is not going away. So we're going to make this the theme of what this is. And so Marcus Sheridan just wrote a book on it, The Visual Sale. And so we brought, we're going to bring him in. And if everybody knows there is no stage, there is none of that. When I say we bring him in, he comes in for an hour and a half and just starts to give us things to think about propel our ideas and then he kind of just becomes part of the crowd and then what we do is we brain share and there's three microphones going around me by ryan one by me one by ryan hanley and benjamin dennehy the uk's most hated sales trader right now if you're listening to this go open up another window if you're sitting in front of your computer and pull and go to youtube and pull up the uk's most hated sales trainer he's absolutely a riot he's going to bring so much energy to uh to the meeting and then on on uh, tuesday morning i have a little surprise for everybody as we brain share and then we have david carruthers coming on to give us some uh what did i call it um in the in the marketing commercial ninja uh, tricks or ta I can't remember what I called it. If you go to AIbrainshare.com, you'll see it on there. It's like a commercial ninja sales tricks or something like that. And then we're going to have the protege finals to end out Tuesday. And, and I'm excited because I'll be honest with you, David, I know you're kind of building this thing and you leak little things out to me or the coaches, but I'm really excited. What does this protege, you have like an hour and a half or two hours on the end of Tuesday. What, what are you, what are you planning? Top three producers are going to have to go and talk about their experience and present to the crowd and hopefully get themselves endeared to the people that are watching both live, but also we're streaming this thing. 
Yeah. So it's going to get streamed all over the country and people can vote in real time for who they think should win. So they will have had a chance to watch all of the episodes. They will have had a chance to research these people, follow them on social. They're going to see under the hood of what these people built, how they executed and subsequently what the real life numbers that have come in from this process look like. And they're going to get up and present. You're going to vote and somebody is going to get a lifetime scholarship to killing commercial. Somebody gets one year of one hour per week, one-on-one with me, just helping them strategize and plan uh, what's going to happen in their book of business with regard to commercial. And then place number three, you might think it sucks, but actually they get a custom-made suit that I'm going to have my tailor flown in and measure them on the stage so that they can get their measurements, pick out their fabric swatches, and they're going to get a custom suit, a couple of uh, dress shirts and some ties so that they can look like they should look going out to go after big middle market accounts. So I'm pumped about it, man. We're going to hype it. For those of you who think that we've been hyping it, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is not even the tip of the iceberg. Once this stuff comes down and the promos that we're working on editing right now are done, all bets are off. But that being said, I got two more things and then I'm going to be respectful of your time and let you leave. I told you that things have been spawned from this. I was on the phone. I had a Calendly appointment booked with me about a month ago, and you and I haven't even talked about this yet, so I know that you're going to go nuts when you hear it, but I had a Calendly appointment booked for me uh, about a month ago from a, a guy named Royce Lopez, and I didn't know Royce from Adam. He uh, just said that he needed time with me. He wanted to talk about this agency that he was starting and was hoping I would be able to give him some time. So. That's not uncommon. I get a lot of that in you know every week, as I'm sure you do. And so I took his call, and this guy gets on the phone, and he starts telling me, he's like, listen, Mr. David. And I'm like, well, hold on, time out. I'm not Mr. David. He's like, I'm 19 years old. I'm an immigrant from Cuba. My family came here from Cuba, and they, my mom and dad started an independent agency that has been successful. But I don't want to do what they do. I want to do something bigger and better. And I feel like the American dream is for a 19-year-old who has – and by the way, let me just go ahead and throw this out there. Joker graduated high school at 16. He was so driven. He's already got his associate's degree at 19 and is working mm. towards his mm. bachelor. He won a competition at the university that he attends down in Southeast Florida for a concept that he came up with for an agency of the future. And so I stopped him. He, he, this guy had me going for the first five minutes and I stopped him. I said, Royce, here's what we're going to do. My resources are 100% at your disposal. My network is 100% at your disposal. You need to meet with carriers. I'll make those meetings happen. You need advice on how to structure your agency. I'm going to make that happen for you. I'll give you every ounce of effort that I possibly can. And here's what I want in return. Every week, I want you to uh, have a vlog about your journey of building this agency as a 19-year-old Cuban immigrant coming to the United States starting from scratch. And I want to record that and I want to produce it. So ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, you're going to hear that the prodigy is coming out directly after the protege. And the child prodigy, Royce, is going to show you under the hood of everything he's done to build his agency with from absolutely nothing to the ground up. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. We're already about 10 meetings into this. Um, I've already got about 10, 10 vlogs from him going through the process. And I'm going to tell you, if you think I'm pulling punches because the kid's 19, you're, you might as well forget about it because I handed it to him yesterday on our call. And we're not going to edit any of that out because sometimes that's what people need to hear. But I'm really pumped about the fact that we've been given a platform and able to do things like this because this is stuff that the insurance industry needs. 
Okay. Now, I want to be very clear on the difference. The protege is somebody who wants to walk in the footsteps of someone else or to emulate someone else's behavior. A prodigy is someone who was born with the natural natural ability to create great things, and that's what this kid is going to do. I, I am nothing more than a platform for him, some advice. He is doing all of this on his own, and he is going to be an absolute insurance rock star, and I couldn't be happier than to be associated with him. You're obsessed with peas. I got to keep it somewhat close. That being said, dude, I want to wrap. I, I, I want to. Yeah, dude, that's freaking phenomenal. You know that um, I love it. And not just because he's part of my Cuban blood. <laughs> it's just that I, I love that idea because it's the same thing that we're getting out of the protege. It's making the independent insurance industry, insurance industry altogether, be known and be recognized, right? Like, I'm just going to say this because it goes back, right? I like tie it back. Like the associations have tried forever to put people at career fairs and tried to put people, you know, in certain situations and teach insurance classes in high school and stuff to try and get them in interested and it just hasn't worked now don't get me wrong there has been success stories right but it's not worked like you can in something like you're doing you know it's something that i said a minute ago what's the the best way to teach is the best way it's understood people don't understand we're at a career fair and they're 19 years old what the heck the insurance industry can do but when you show them and you show them in a way that they understand Good for you, dude. Good for you. I'm so proud of you. I just, I just love the fact of, um, then in a time that you should be slowing down, your your passion drives you, and drives you and drives you. So it's pretty cool. Well, that's good segue because I want everybody to know, you know, I think it's important. People look at stuff like this and they're wondering who the egomaniac is that's behind it, that's trying to do it, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, the fact of the matter is that this is the 100th episode of Power Producers, and the reason oh, that yeah. I had Cass on here is because none of this would exist without him. And the fact of the matter is, you know, me doing things like The Protégé or me doing things like The Prodigy or having Killing Commercial or any of the stuff that I've been able to achieve would not happen without you, brother. Wow. Dude, thank you very much. I appreciate that greatly. Um yeah, I really wasn't. I really wasn't uh, set for that. I have a note here in the very back to give you kudos, um, but thank you. Yeah, you know, so far, uh, see, see, July, twenty nineteen, whale hunting one hundred and one. The game changed forever. Yeah, that was that's less than two years ago. You know, I mean, my gosh, think about that. I love the old saying: you will underestimate what you can do. Are you overestimate what you can do in a year and grossly underestimate what you can do in 10 years. Look what you can do in two, you know? That's that's phenomenal. Thank you very much for that. That's awesome. Well, this is that's what awesome. I want people to get from that. So those of you who think that it may, may be egomaniacal or whatever else, that couldn't be further from the truth. The fact of the matter is that I was featured on Cass's podcast. It opened doors for me that never would have been opened before. I'm an opportunist. I'm going to take advantage of that. But what I'm doing is not to float my own ego and blow it up. My, my goal is to take a platform that I've been blessed with and use it to feature other people who deserve the opportunity to be heard. And that's all I could ever ask for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you wrapping it up? We're done, man. That's all okay, I have to say. On. I'm gonna give we you. Got... I'm gonna give you the floor for the. You can. You can take us out of it. It's all so, yours. So, 
So what's important is, is when you listen to this, you can listen to this podcast, you can listen to all kinds of podcasts, you can watch YouTube videos about why this is the greatest industry in the world. And don't get me wrong, I haven't worked in all the other industries, so I don't know that, but I do know the five truths of insurance, and I think it gets to live it. And the thing is, is that my Billy, my, my buddy Billy, um, who likes the letter P as well, Ironically enough, good things. Maybe there's something in that, David. That like really strong A-type-minded people. It's are just like alliteration. P. P was just the lucky letter. <laughs> I can do it with C, D, R. You name it, I'll That's figure out true. three words. That's true. That's true. Billy said that there's five reasons why we're in business, and there's five reasons why God wants us to be successful in business. If you know Billy, he has a very, very huge faith background. Um, uh, and so, you know, it was, it was amazing that sometimes when you're with Billy and even when you're with the guys on the golf course, some of the jokes that they tell, um, he always laughs, but sometimes you can tell that he's very uh, proper in what he does. But he told me that God, he said, Jason, God wants you to be good in business and he wants you to do it for five reasons. And he says, number one is passion. He wants everybody to have a passion in their life for something. And a lot of times he's given us the gifts. Sometimes we have to develop the gifts. And, you know, and so that's something that he wants us to know. And, and in that passion, he wants us to develop products and services that are going to help other people because that's what he's all about. That was kind of the lesson of God and Jesus and basically all, all religions, right, is to help other people. And he wants you to be profitable. And Billy said this exactly. He said, Jason, if I ain't making no money, ain't nobody else making any money. It's that simple, right? It's that damn simple. We got to make a profit from the product and we are allowed for those. And when it does, you have to be uh, philanthropic. You need to be you need to be a philanthropist with those profits. And it just doesn't necessarily mean to give to other people. It means to maybe increase your own family tree in 100 to 200 years. Nothing bothers Billy more than someone says, I can't take the money with me, so I'm going to spend it before I go. Uh, he didn't say this. This is my words, but I think he thinks that's one of the most ignorant things he's ever heard. I mean, it does not make any sense, does not comprehend to him because his legacy of, as he told me, what I do with my business, what my kids decide to do with my business has to do with them. I have no idea. But what I'm going to do is give them every opportunity. And the last thing was personification. He wants you to have passion so you can build products to help people and make them money so you can give it away. And people will see him in you through your actions. That's why he wants you to be a successful business owner. Make no bones about that, Jason, and always remember that. He told me that right before we got out of the car for him to drop me off at the airport. So if you know Billy, that's just the way that it is. And I got to tell you, it was like I had been to a CIC class, David, like two and a half days. Like my head was like, oh my God, I can't put another thing in there. Um, but it was fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I attribute it to, I would like to have a painting made, you know, of four or five different men and two women that have been instrumental in my life. And I want to have a painting and I want them to all be like having their hands around each other. And I want to be able to point at those people for the rest of my life, you know? And I have to admit, David, that as that thing, as my life grows, so does, so does that canvas. And, and I think that when you're trying to place people there, sometimes that's hard and sometimes it's really easy. But I think that you just can kind of look at your own self, right? And you can say that if birds fly, flock together, 
you know, who am I? Who am I hanging around with? What am I doing? And 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 I want that picture that I eventually create um, to, to have, you know, not a ton of people on it, but I noticed that I have specific people in my life for specific reasons. One of the things I didn't get to hit on, which was actually was my top, top one here in my thing was diversity. You mentioned it. And I, I talk about diversity a lot because I, I believe that as I look around at my businesses that I have, they're all ran by women. They're all ran by strong-minded women. Sarah, who runs my agencies, you don't push her around. Sarah, who runs AI, you don't push her around. My wife, you don't push her around. The people that I have around me are that. And David, I want to close with this with your, with your listeners. When you think about, like, think about restaurants, think about grocery stores, a lot of them are supported and ran by women. If we have the greatest industry in the world... 90% of our renewals are handled by women. Most hospitals are staffed with women. I think we need to recognize that over the next 200 years, there will be more women presidents than there are men. And then I think also in race, I think has something to do with that. And one of the things that I've said before, and, and I have to be honest with you, I said this on a podcast that came out and I did get some pushback from it, but I also got a lot of kudos. And that has to be what the NFL did. The NFL decided that a long 10, 15, 20 years ago, that if you were going to hire a coach, you had to at least um, interview two minorities in the interview process. Oh, I remember I was against that. I was like, oh my gosh, they can't be telling private enterprise, you know, and what to do. But ironically enough, we had more um, uh, minority coaches, specifically black African-American. We had Tony Dungy, who was one of the first African um, uh, coaches that he'll tell you that was a big system to him getting seen in that. I, I, I say that we can do that in our agency. I say that sometimes when it comes to diversity, notice the people you're hiring. Notice the people that you're attracting that you think are going to be good for your industry. I think diversity, um, and I live this in my agency. I have people from the Philippines. I have uh, transsexuals that work for me. I have a, a lot of different things. Once again, most of them ran by women in our agency. Um, so I think that we need to be more open. And I think one of the things we can do that's very simple is when we decide we're going to hire, we're going to make sure that we're going to at least interview. We didn't say we had to hire them, that we're just going to at least interview them. And I think that's the part you can do. I think that opens up the conversation that needs to be done in America. So I'm sorry to use your podcast to say that, but that's something that I that I feel very passionate um, about as diversity with women and of minorities of race as well. So um, you that's walk that before, Hey, you got to walk before you run, and you can't walk without taking the first step. That's right. That's right. And that's a simple thing you can do, right? That's a very simple thing you can do, but I bet guarantee you'll start making different choices. David, thank you very much for you. Thanks for what you do. You've changed commercial insurance game. In a CIC, they've tried to do what you do. And I mean, they teach the basics, but to go outside the sales, it's another one of the downfalls of the association. And it's not their fault, but to get CIC, a lot of these associations, the state the department of insurance makes them stay within certain guidelines. 
So the CIC that they give out is, you know, coverage is 101. The state won't allow them to do like marketing tactics and automation, which will actually provide a better customer experience, which will create better customer service and happier customers. So think about that stuff. And you've been able to get around that. You've been able to say, hey, there's a way that we can create this and we can talk. And this is not easy. I know how much you work. You know me. I'm always hitting you up at 7 or 8 o'clock at night saying, go to bed. Calm down. You got to wake up. And then you wake up at 4.30 in the morning hitting me saying, ah, I've already been asleep for eight hours, Jason. So um, <laughs> I appreciate your friendship. Absolutely, man. Everybody, AI Brain Share, you've got yeah. to check it out. Go to the website. Spots are filling up. I'm doing everything I can to encourage people to go. I promise you, personal guarantee, stamp of approval, you will leave a different person. Everybody have a great week. Really appreciate you, Jason, and everything you've done. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.